Hello and welcome to episode 38 of the Bat Flip Crazy Podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic, data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I am your host, Toby. Thank you so much for listening. On today's show, we are going to take a look at Juan Soto, Luis Severino, and Starling Marte. Uh, Juan Soto is a very interesting uh, case. Everybody loves Juan Soto. Young guy doing great things. I love him too. I just wonder how much uh, of the love and how much of the fantasy uh, hype that is inflating his price uh, is due to the fact that he is 19, which does not impact your bottom line uh, in fantasy baseball. So that's one question I take a look at in more depth. Luis Severino, the curious case of Luis Severino, and whether or not uh, he is the guy who pitched in the first half of 2017, or all of 2017 in the first half of 2018, or the guy who really, really, really uh, struggled in the second half of 2018. And then I take a look at Starling Marte um, and his uh, overall potential value in drafts this year, going around uh, pick 41. Uh, in NFBC drafts this year, and I dig in a little bit in my reach, Charles, about uh, a little bit about my excitement after looking at some of the reasons why Marte, after a very hard start, uh, a very hot start, may have slowed down a little bit in the second half, and why that could be a reason for optimism for uh, fantasy owners in 2019. As always, you can find the podcast on iTunes and other podcast platforms. If you like what you're hearing, please do give us a five-star rating and write a nice review. Tell your friends. Thank you to whoever was listening and left a five-star rating yesterday. Um, Again, it is always really nice, and it's helpful in spreading the word for the podcast. If you don't leave a rating or a review, that is totally fine, but please either like or retweet or otherwise uh, share the podcast so that we can reach as many ears um, as possible. I'm actually thinking about doing a little thing where if you uh, leave a rating and a review um, and you uh, and you message me about it, that I'll let you pick uh, the two or three uh, players that I cover in the next episode. So if that would be of interest to you, let me know. You can follow me on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy, Instagram also at BatFlipCrazy, Facebook, BatFlipCrazyFantasy, YouTube, just Google or just Google. Uh, you, well, I guess YouTube is owned by Google. So uh, just YouTube uh, and in the search bar, uh, type in Batflip Crazy and then batflipcrazy.com uh, is, the bo- is the blog. Juan Soto, Luis Severino, Starling Marte. Let's get this party started. All right. First up today, we have... No one other than the childish Bambino Juan Soto outfielder for the Washington Nationals. This should be a fun one. I tweeted out a couple weeks back about how I thought Soto was going way too high in drafts this year and probably got my most engaged uh, in my most engaged discussion so far this year. So it should be interesting. Let's dive in. Two early mock drafts. He had an average draft position of 30.2. Uh, In NFBC, nine drafts, 26.56 ADP, so moving up the board solidly into the second round of 
15-team leagues, beginning of the third round in 12-team leagues, minimum pick of 22, high pick of 33. So as we know, Soto only played, um, he played a majority of the season, but not the full season. He got called up uh, fairly early on by the Nationals, 116 games played, 494 played appearances, 414 at-bats. He hit 292 uh, for his batting average. That's one of the um, things that folks like about him is that high batting average, 292, but his expected average was at 280, so showing a tiny little bit uh, of luck there. When we look at his BABIP, he's got a 388 BABIP, uh, 338 BABIP, excuse me, which is nice, Uh, 20% K percentage, which is also uh, nice. That is about 2.5%. Uh, below league average. Uh, when we take a look at his contact rate, it is also above league average at 79.8%, which is uh, nice to see from a young hitter like him. The Z contact, though, is actually below league average at 84.8%, so he's making more contact, or not more contact outside the zone, but um, uh, he's better than league average at making contact outside the zone and worse than league average at making contact in the zone, but pretty much just call him league average from a contact perspective. With that in mind, I would anticipate that that strikeout rate may uh, decrease just, uh, or get worse by just a little bit, 20% this year, about league average contact. So I'd expect that to bump up maybe a point or two, nothing too drastic. OBP leagues is where really where he gets a lot of his value from my perspective. I think the average is gonna be solid, I don't think it's necessarily going to be spectacular unless we continue to see some skill gains, which is, you know, very possible with a with a guy who's just turning 20 this year. OBP of 406, expected OBP of 395. That is excellent. The O swing is tremendous, 19.9%. So 11% better than league average. That is awesome to see, especially from a guy who is so young. His swing rate, not surprisingly, is very low as well, 38.7%. Uh, so he's very selective in the pitches that he chooses to swing at. Walk rate, 16%. Just awesome um, you know, for a guy his age. Again, in OBP leagues, I don't doubt his value as much um, because the primary skill that I see that's well above league average right now is that plate discipline. Uh, from a run perspective, he scored 15.6 runs per plate appearance. That's higher than 13.2% league average. He was hitting mostly in the number two hole, um, I believe, last year. Um, uh, number two or number three hole uh, last year. Uh, I may be making that up. Maybe, maybe, it was, maybe it was the fifth hole. I will, uh, I will check on that in his splits later on. But 15.6%, I think that sounds about right, given that he has, he's demonstrating elite plate discipline. Home runs, 22 home runs on 18 expected home runs. So uh, outperformed his home runs by a little bit, 4.5% home runs per plate appearance. Um, His expected home runs per plate appearance was actually only league average at 3.6%. And this is one of the reasons I'm going to, things I'm going to get into um, when I talk about uh, Soto and some of my concerns for his value next year. ISO 225, hard hit rate, 34.8%. That's actually below league average. Again, when we get into the batted ball quality stuff, there's, there's, a, there's quite a few, they're not red flags, they're yellow flags for me, but you know, a league average hard hit rate is not anything particularly special. It's special for a 19-year-old, right? That's, that's the thing I think we need to disentangle from Soto's value is we don't get any additional value 
from the fact that he is so young and doing what he's doing by, by being so young. His numbers are going to count the same in fantasy baseball, unless you're in a dynasty league, of course, um, you know, or, or even a keeper league. But they're going to count this year, regardless of what league you're in, the same regardless of his age. Ground ball rate is at 53.7%, so 10% above league average. That is taking away a little bit uh, from the power. He's got to change that around um, if we want to see um, see a boost in those power numbers. His home run per fly ball rate, 24.7%, so very high. His expected home run per fly ball rate was 20.2%. So that's one thing. You know, We don't have a lot of data to go from, from Soto. We're just using this one major league. Uh, season as the data. So we're, I'm not sure whether that really makes sense or not for him. He hasn't been able to show it consistently, but he's only had one year. That 20.2% seems more reasonable. His current home run per fly ball rate is twice the rate of the league average. His hard hit fly ball rate is elite, 51.7%. That's really, really nice. And so that supports that higher home run per fly ball rate uh, most definitely. His hard hit pulled fly ball rate, though, is only 10.9%, which is super low. 32.6% is league average, so he's about one-third, less than one-third of league average. Now, we know he's got the power to go opposite field, um, and so it's not as essential that he's pulling a lot of those fly balls. He's hitting a lot of those home runs to the opposite field or to center field, which is fine if he's got enough power. But, uh, again, whether or not that is a sustainable clip uh, to hit those balls to the opposite field um, out is another story and you know with the expected home runs it makes you get the sense that he had some very close home runs that maybe went in his favor that you might not anticipate would go in his favor barrels 31 6.3% barrels per plate appearance that is excellent you know it's not elite but it's definitely above league average 1.5% 395 average home run uh, per um uh, have average home run distance, which is actually below league average. So that's something to note too. He's not, you know, he's not getting a ton of distance uh, on those home runs on average. RBI 70, 14.2% RBI per plate appearance. I don't really have any quibbles with uh, the, the runs or the RBI percentages. They seem pretty reasonable given what he's been able to show uh, so far in his early career. Woba of 392, which is awesome. Expected Weighted on base average of 381. Um, stolen bases, five stolen bases, 1% stolen base per plate appearance, success rate of 71.4%, 4% stolen base uh, uh, opportunity percentage, and his sprint speed is only 27.2 uh, feet per second, which is about, um, which is slightly above league average, but about league average. So there's nothing there to tell you that, that those stolen bases uh, should go up. The stolen base success rate isn't super high. Um, he doesn't steal that often. He's not that fast. And so I don't anticipate seeing that uh, jump up uh, outside of just with plate appearances. Now, one of the major concerns that I have with Soto's value is that power, right? So when we looked at his profile, the batting average was solid, but not spectacular, right? 280. Um, the home runs, I had a little bit of a question because really he's got a league average home run per fly ball rate when you look at his expected home runs slightly above league average when we look at just overall home runs again you can project him for more you can expect him to you know grow into his body a little bit more maybe because he's a he's a young player but again do we want to do that with 
the small sample size that we have. That's a major question. When we get into the you know the more precise launch angle buckets, there's some reasons for optimism and there's some reasons for concern. A major area of concern for me is that his dribbler percentage, which has one of the highest correlations year to year, according to Andrew Perpetuet at XStats, is at 31.7%. That's 7% above league average. Those are really bad ground balls that have a very low BABIP. Now, that is concerning because our buddy Juan Soto does not have a ton of speed. And so when he's hitting those balls poorly into the ground, it's not likely that he's going to overperform a league average BABIP with just league average speed. His ground ball rate at 21.8% is also above league average. So hitting the ball on the ground where, you know, with those ground balls, they may go for base hits, but they're very unlikely to go for extra bases. His line drive rate, 13.6%, was actually below um, league average by 3%. Again, that fluctuates. It's not uh, super consistent. Um, so I don't pay a ton of attention to that. His hard drive rate is an area uh, of um, great potential, 13.9%, so about 3% above league average. Those are those low line, low fly balls, high line drives that go for extra base hits and home runs. And his fly ball rate and pop-up rate are both uh, lower than league average, and he's got an 8% lower than league average pop-up rate, which is really, really nice to see. A lot of people have compared his plate discipline to Joey Votto. Having that really low pop-up percentage, those automatic outs that you hit in the air, um, is always going to be beneficial to your Babbitt. So some good and some bad, definitely hitting way too many ground balls. Now let's take a look at his rolling averages graph. So when we take a look at his rolling averages graph, things that stand out, uh, the Z contact right around league average, hovering above it for a while, dips a little bit towards the end of the year to slightly below league average, but essentially just call it league average. Pretty consistent though when you think about, again, you know, his age, and this is the first time he's experiencing major league pitching. One area of concern, the ground ball rate, it did get higher as the, lead, as the, uh, as the year progressed. Uh, in late September, his 40-game rolling average eclipsed 60% on the ground ball rate and ended the year at 55.6%. So for me, that's a major concern because we've seen, even with guys like Christian Yelich, who always has the highest hard-hit fly ball rate, his home run totals have always been very low because he hits so many ground balls. And Juan Soto really looks a lot like Yelich when you look at the profile, early Yelich. Again, that's not a bad profile to necessarily have, but the difference is that Yelich has always had speed, and Soto doesn't necessarily have speed. Look at hard hit rate, uh, up and down, up and down, but over you know the last, his last, I don't know, 50... Uh, 60 games or so, uh, never got higher than 35.6%, so about league average over a 40-game rolling average. Again, hard hit rate isn't the be-all, end-all, but it is nice to see that a little bit elevated, and we're not seeing that um, in any of the trends with Soto. The one thing that has improved as the year progressed is that plate discipline, finishing off the year around 19% with a low uh, in September of 16.2% for a 40-game rolling average. So as you can see with Soto, there's definitely a lot to like there. I think the challenge with him is people fall in love with him because he's 19, right? And he's going to be you know, potentially a Hall of Flame, Fame player. I mean, him and Acuna are just immense talents, particularly when you take into consideration the age. But the age is not, you know, the age doesn't factor into fantasy baseball on a year-to-year -year perspective. And so when I look at his 2019 out, uh, 
outlook, what I see is about league average Z contact. So he should have about league average strikeout rate. I see a ground ball rate that is well above league average. I mean, getting into danger zone above 55%. Over his last 80 games, it's at 57%. And so that is, you know, again, Christian Yelich has been very good having that same profile for a while. But the difference with Yelich is that his hard hit fly ball rates are higher. Um, and he is um, stealing bases, right? And the thing about Yelich, too, is that before this season, his high for home runs, I think, was 21 in a season. So Soto's obviously eclipsed that with what he did, um, or would have eclipsed that uh, in, a, in a full season last year with what he did. But it's just something to keep in mind um, for Soto. And then again, the hard hit rate is also below league average. And then that plate discipline is awesome. So in OBP leagues, I think you're looking at a guy who helps you out with OBP, uh, who helps you out with runs, who helps you out a decent amount uh, with home runs and a decent amount with RBI, depending on when, where he's going to be batting in the upcoming season. Not really a ton uh, with stolen bases. So you're getting a guy who's going to contribute, you know, three and a half to four really solid categories for you. For average, again, if he hits 280 to 290, that's very solid. Um, it's well above league average, but it's not one of those elite batting averages, right? When you grab, grab a guy like... Um, uh, a Jose Altuve, or even a Freddie Freeman, who has three consecutive years of batting 300 uh, or more. And again, with Soto, we also have to consider that it is a smaller sample size that we're dealing with. It gives us the potential benefit of the fact that he's, you know, his developmental curve is off the charts, and so we might anticipate something better this year. But then it also, you know, how how is he going to adjust as he continues to get to accrue uh, plate appearances facing major league pitchers? He's obviously done a good job from a plate discipline perspective, but the contact rate, the ground ball rate, you know, the quality of contact isn't necessarily uh, where I like to see it. So where exactly would I put Soto? I think he's going way too high right now. Think about Charlie Blackman, a guy who has given um, you a number of years of consistent average production, run production, home run production, not RBI production because he's batting leadoff, but stolen base production as well. You're going to take Juan Soto over Charlie Bachman, Andrew Benintendi. He already has a 2020 season. He's already bat- batted very close to 300 uh, a couple of times. Uh, is that a guy that you're going to take Juan Soto over, right? Blake Snell is going behind him. Aaron Nola is going right in front of him. Paul Goldschmidt's going right in front of him. Garrett Cole, Whit Merrifield, you know, essentially, you know, a guy who's going to give you batting average, who's going to give you uh, incredible stolen bases without necessarily hit hurting um, you in any other categories. Trevor Bauer, Anthony Rizzo, right? So think about Rizzo. He's a guy who has hit 280. He's hit 30 plus home runs. He's had 100 RBIs or 100 runs at least once in his career, and it, and probably about the same stolen bases as as Juan Soto. Are you going to take Juan Soto 12 picks, 11 picks in front of him? You know. So these are some of the questions I think we need to ask ourselves as we look about. Juan Soto and his value. Are we projecting tremendous growth from Soto? Um, Are we, and is that why we're drafting him so high? Um, Or are we taking into consideration some of the factors that might limit um, his actual impact? I think these are really important questions. When we look at Steamer, 290, 28 home runs, 88 runs, 90 RBI, seven stolen bases. Obviously, that's really, really great production. And he's not certainly not going to cost you any leagues, um, but 
you know, it's not necessarily, um, he doesn't have the ceiling because of the lack of stolen bases, I think, um, for me at least, um, that I want to have drafting uh, around pick 25. So that is Juan Soto, really interesting player, really going to be a controversial player, I think, heading into drafts, but somebody who's right now skyrocketing up those drafts uh, into the top 30 easily. Next up, we have Luis Severino, starting pitcher for the New York Yankees. In the 10-2 early mock drafts, he had an average draft position of 33.3. His NFBC average draft position through nine drafts is 39.67, with a minimum of 30 and a maximum of 51. So tending to drop a little bit uh, down the draft board, not necessarily surprising. I think when you dig into... Some of the numbers, uh, there's enough concerns there to put some other pitchers ahead of him. Two consecutive years with 190-plus innings pitched for Severino. Uh, Nice win percentage, 59.4%, 19 wins in 32 starts um, last year after 45.2% the year before. He's had a very consistent and very strong K-minus walk rate, 22.3% and 22.9% the last two years. So very consistent there. His strikeout rate was down about a percent from 29.4 in 2017 to 28.2% last year. Now, one of the things that I'll get to as I as we talk about Severino and we get to his pitch splits is the K-minus walk rate is, um, is tremendous. And the strikeout rate is tremendous for Severino. The major concern that I have is that he may fall into the trap that we've seen other pitchers, including pitchers for the Yankees, fall into which is that they don't have a third pitch that is quite good enough um, to keep them uh, keep hitters off balance and um, they get hit hard. And I think we saw that in the second half from Severino, and I have some, some decent-sized concerns about that. But let's get to it. 220 strikeouts uh, in 2018, 230 the year before. So as you can see, very consistent um, uh, over 10K per nine. His swinging strike rate did drop 0.6% from 13% in 2017 to 12.4% in 2018. Doesn't seem like a massive drop, but that's about the same swinging strike rate as Aaron Nola, uh, who we covered yesterday. And you don't necessarily think of Nola as being a swing and miss guy like you do with Severino. The uh, O contact uh, is below league average, which is nice to see. The Z contact Crept up almost a percentage point last year, up to 83.3%, but still better than league average, but not necessarily in that high 70s, low 80s that we tend to see um, a lot of the elite starting pitchers in. His overall contact rate at 75%, um, which is 2% below league average. So again, these aren't necessarily the contact rates that you see from an elite starter, and I'm not really sure that we can consider Severino that. And this is coming from somebody who had a ton of shares of Severino uh, this year, which actually hurt me uh, a decent amount um, because I loved what I saw last year and I loved the trends that I was seeing. And the second half of this season has really has really changed that for me. So strikeout rates all looking really, really good. Um, the contact rate's not necessarily elite, and so that's just something to monitor. Uh, we may see a little trickle down in that in that strikeout rate. Walk per, uh, his walk rate, 5.9%, well below league average, 6.5% in 2017, so a little bit uh, of a dip there, which is nice to see. Uh, Just around uh, 2.16 walks per nine, down from 2.37. First pitch strike rate, 
He's getting ahead of batters a lot, 69%, which is really, really nice. But the O swing is down to 31.8%, so about 1% above league average. It's down from 33% in 2017. And I think that's key because we saw that in the zone, uh, batters make a lot more contact with um, Severino than they do outside the zone, uh, which you know isn't necessarily um, surprising, but he gets a O contact rate well below league average, about 7%. That Z contact only 2% below league average. Zone percentage was down to 47.4%. You know, that's still well above league average by about 4.4%. You know, the only thing to consider is that O swing zone percentages are, are pretty key. So if you see that O swing um, uh, dropping, uh, the zone percentage needs to increase in order for you to, um, you know, uh, limit the number of balls that you're throwing, we see the opposite happening here with Severino. So I'm not sure he really earned that 5.9% walk rate based on what I've seen. He's definitely getting ahead of hitters, but he's throwing the ball less in the zone, and he's also getting batters to chase fewer pitches outside the zone. And so I would expect that walk rate to bump up just a, a little bit, but still still be solid. Uh, where things changed from last year is the Babbitt. Uh, 272 BABIP last year with a 296 expected BABIP. Uh, this year, a 314 BABIP with a 321 expected BABIP. So a lot of, I think, the narrative that I saw was that he was getting unlucky or he was going through a stretch of poor luck, and that's why Severino was struggling so much. You know, what I saw is at the midpoint in the season, and I'm upset with myself for this, he was outperforming a lot of his expected metrics, you know, expected on base average, his expected BABIP, his expected home runs. And instead of, you know, using that data to make a informed decision to try to trade him in the leagues that I could do that, you know, you, I kind of hung with him. And what we saw is that that ended up uh, catching up with him. And so even though that BABIP was 314, was well above league average, right, 21 points above league average, he, his expected BABIP still was higher than that. And I think this underlines some of the concerns that I have Soft hit rate slightly above league average, which is nice, about 1.5% above. But his hard hit rate jumped about 7 points to 35.2%. Again, not the most important stats. I actually look at soft hit rate more than hard hit rate. Um, but just something to think about. His ground ball percentage, though, dropped 9 points, 9.5 points last year. So giving up a lot more fly balls, we saw that become problematic for him in the second half. His expected, uh, his WOBA was two was uh, 290 Last year, uh, 300 expected on base average, which would make him about a you know slightly uh, better than league average pitcher. Uh, 339 ERA. The FIP, XFIP, and Sierra actually like him more. 295 uh, FIP, uh, fielding fielding independent pitching. His XFIP was three point uh, was 310. His Sierra was 326. Again, a lot of those are based on him having league average BABIP numbers, and he didn't show this year that he necessarily um, deserved those. Left on base uh, or strand rate at 75% for the second consecutive year, so no major change there. Home runs, he had 19 home runs uh, that he gave up this year, 21.2 expected home runs. Um, the year before, he had 21 home runs, 18.4 expected, so got a little bit of an unlucky you throw that together, he's averaging giving up a solid 20 home runs, both in terms of his expected and regular home runs per season. 
Home run per fly ball rate was at 11.4%. His expected home run per fly ball rate at 12.7%. That aligns nicely with his expected home run per fly ball rate of 12.3% um, from uh, 2017. So it looks like he's giving, you know, on average, he's giving up about league average home run per fly ball. 0.89 home runs given up. Uh, expected home runs per nine was at one. Um, so again, you know, slightly... Uh, outperforming what he should have given up. His barrel rate did jump considerably, though. Um, so from 3.8%, which is below league average, to 5% barrels uh, per plate appearance. So that's above league average barrel rate uh, right there. Average home di- run distance, um, still a pretty low, 386 this year, 387 last year. Uh, it's low probably because of Yankee Stadium, um, to be honest with you, and that's just a fact of Severino is he's got to deal with that. So looking a little bit closer at his batted ball uh, profile. Um, so what we saw from Severino is I mentioned that dip in ground ball percentage. Well, significant uh, last year, 28.8% uh, dribbler percentage last year. This year that was down to 23.8%. So went from well above league average at generating really poor ground balls to below league average at generating poor ground balls. And then his ground ball rate was also down by about 3% um, as well. So again, we see the massive drop in his ground ball rate, which is problematic uh, if he's giving up home runs. Folks do damage in the air. His hard drive rate was also up 3% from 8.5%, which is below league average um, by about 2%, to 11.4%, which is above league average. Um, So... In a lot of key areas, we're seeing some really bad movement um, from Severino. Uh, one area where he saw a big jump was in his line drive percentage. It went to 19.3%. Now, line drive percentage fluctuates. Um, it, doesn't, uh, it doesn't hold uh, steady as much as the dribbler percentage, the hard drive percentage, and pop-up percentage um, according to uh, Andrew Perpetua, who does the X stats. And so we could see those line drives turn into ground balls, or we could also see them turn into hard drives maybe um, next year. So major concerns for me in the, um, uh, in the batted ball department for Severino is the fact that he's giving up uh, more hard contact in really dangerous areas, actually worse than league average. Um, and he's giving up, generating fewer balls on the ground and fewer balls that are poor ground balls. Now, his pop-up percentage um, uh, did go up slightly by 0.8%, so that's always good, but it's still well below league average. And so you can see why that BABIP, not surprisingly, is very high because he's got a lot of ground, uh, he's got a lot of batted balls in that ground ball through hard drive um, percentage there and not in your pop-ups um, and your dribblers. Let us take a look at the Sevy pitch mix. Um, now, the Sevy pitch mix um, is one of the areas of major um, concern uh, for me. In particular, I want to focus on his changeup um, because his changeup went from a positive pitch last year to a, a negative pitch um, this year. So four-seam fastball velocity. Velocity was consistent, actually up 0.2 to 97.7. That is obviously um, really beneficial. Uh, but we saw that four-seam fastball pr- uh, produce a little bit worse uh, than last year. He had a uh, Batters had a 115 WRC plus 
on that pitch in 2017 with a 328 Woba. That jumped up a little bit to 335 last year for the Woba and 123 WRC+. The slider remains um, elite 39 uh, last year and 50 this year in terms of WRC+. But that change-up, it went from a 34 WRC+, so well below league average uh, batters were hitting against it with a 203 uh, Woba to a to a uh, worse than league average 104 WRC plus with a 307 woba so hitters making a lot better contact on that pitch uh, than in previous seasons and what again I think is really important to note about this is that um, you know having two solid pitches right we'll continue we'll consider the forcing fastball good enough um, from Sevi. Um, and that slider is, is, is pretty elite, but having just those two pitches, you can see in some of his splits that he struggles against lefties and that changeup, um, you know, might be the reason why, because it wasn't as effective, uh, this year looking at plate discipline. Um, so the slider has a nice 17.4% swinging strike rate this year. 17.6% 17.6% last year, but we do see a 5% dip in the O swing on that pitch. So batters chasing the pitch less despite uh, continuing to struggle to make contact. Still a positive pitch, 1.3 positive pitch value per 100 thrown, 15 overall. The forcing fastball was a positive pitch. It's got a nice 9.1% swinging strike rate on it, uh, which is good to see. 0.5 positive pitch value per 100 thrown. Uh, solid overall, but the changeup is where we see a massive decline. Uh, it's still getting a decent amount. Well, not even a decent amount, to be honest with you. 11.7% swinging strike rate, which is down 1% from 12.7% last year. But folks aren't chasing that pitch outside the zone. Only a 25% uh, O swing on that pitch, which is really low, especially for a secondary pitch. That's an 8.5% dip uh, for Severino last year. So he's not getting folks to chase at pitches outside the zone, even with his slider, which could become uh, really problematic uh, for um, uh, for uh, for Seve, um, and is something definitely to monitor. So that, I think, for me, is my major concern with Seve, is that he's gone from a pitcher, uh, a guy with three really positive offerings, to a guy with one positive offering, one pretty good offering, and one negative offering. And that makes a, a significant uh, a significant difference um, for sure. Um, let's just take a look uh, really quickly at those lefty-righty splits. Um, I looked at them briefly. So um, in 2018 versus lefties, lefties had a 302 WOBA against him compared to a 380 WOBA. Um, so that's just uh, something to um, consider there. Not a huge uh, uh, difference necessarily, but... Um, uh, it is, it is there. Um, as we look at his rolling average graphs, uh, the swinging strike rate for his 10 game rolling average. Oh man, Sevi. Oh, it's at 12.3%, but really it was up at 14, 15% beginning of the year, dropping down here to 12.3%. Um, you know, 12.3% is solid. Don't get me wrong. But again, you know, it's not the elite uh, pitches that we've seen from guys that we've covered earlier, a really long string here of about 11% or so. The O swing got up pretty high towards the end of the year, but dropping back down to 32.4%. The zone rate going down significantly, 4, 44.1%. So it, 
So that's a really uh, important, I think, thing to note is, is the zone percentage going down in addition to the O swing. Again, the O swing isn't super problematic at 32%, but if that continues to go down and that zone percentage goes down, then we're going to have some issues with our, with our walk rate for Seve. And the first pitch strike rate also uh, on the decline in those last 10 games, 64.8%. Still well above league average, but not that 69% that we saw for the season. And then the Z contact, actually pretty nice 809 uh, towards the end of the season. Now, one of the reasons why we saw that uptick is that we saw him um, throwing his, um, his changeup a little bit more um, as the season progressed. Uh, generally speaking, you know, you would think that that would be a good thing. But again, hitters weren't necessarily chasing that pitch outside the zone. The swinging strike rate on that pitch is not great, right? It's, it's 11.6%, I believe, uh, this year. And, you know, that, that sounds good um, because it's higher than league average. But remember, fastballs are normally below that. And so a changeup at 11.7% uh, is not uh, outstanding at all. So we saw that uh, increase, and then we saw a little bit of a dip in his fastball to about 50% of pitches. So, you know, um, even with the improvement in that, um, uh, you know, in some of those strikeout skills towards the end of the season, they're not up into that elite level that we've seen some of the other guys that we've covered already um, hit at. So if you can't tell just by going over this, I'm low on Seve this year. I'm very concerned about Luis Severino and where um, where he may end up. I know that he got battered around in the second half, and he he got crushed in the second half. I mean, when you look at his um, his splits, his ERA in the second half was 5.57. I know that because he destroyed a lot of my ratios. A 5.57 ERA. I understand struggling, but to put up you know a 5.57 ERA um, over you know 63 innings. Uh, is just a little uh, ish. You know, you don't see a lot of the elite peak pitchers necessarily um, struggling uh, to that level. Um, Similarly, uh, his whip was at 1.43 over that period of time. 379 Babbitt, you know, so that's a little high. Left on base percentage at 63%. So obviously there's there's a little bit of lack of luck there. But then we look at his first half and he was at a 278 Babbitt and an 8 83.1 strand rate. And so really those came together uh, to be, um, you know, uh, about what he should have been, if not having him be a little bit lucky. So overall with Seve, I have major concerns. He's not a guy I'm going to draft in any league this year, really. Um, I think even at the 51, uh, which is his max, uh, I'm staying away. I just see too many similarities to some of the folks that we've seen struggle, like your uh, Michael Pineda's um, before your other guys who give up um, these really high BABIPs and really high batted ball quality despite um, what looks like good strikeout and walk rates, um, good underlying numbers. So major concerns there. You know, uh, guys going around him, Trevor Bauer, obviously like him more, Syndergaard like him more, Bueller like him more, Carrasco like him more, um, Patrick Corbin like him more, James Paxton, I would go Paxton. Um, over Seve, uh, Strasburg, like him more despite the injury concerns. Even Tyone, you know, so I might have him, you know, uh, towards the uh, the 70, 80 range. Even a guy like Mike Clevenger, who I covered earlier, um, you know, I, I probably would might even take Clevenger over 
over Severino. I may this. I know this might sound a little harsh um, to Sevi, and I will admit my biases from having him this year. But um, I do just want to caution folks. I think there's a lot of major uh, yellow flags that are showing up, if not red flags, in Sevi from this past year. Um, and so I am. I'm not going to be drafting him. Uh, this year, I anticipate that his price will continue to drop, I think, um, you know, and I think he'll end up maybe in the mid 40s or so by the time we come uh, come around to drafts. But there's going to be guys who go after him. He's on the Yankees. He's got a name by this point in time. And I would suggest that that if you are uh, considering it, that you not uh, add yourself to the name uh, to the list of people uh, who are drafting him where he's going and instead uh, look for some better starting pitchers in that same spot. Next up, we have Starling Marte, uh, outfielder for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Too early, uh, too early mock draft, ADP of 33.4, dropped down to 40.89 in NFBC, a minimum of 32, um, and a max pick of 50. Let's take a look at Starling. Um, plate appearances, 606 this past year, 339 in the suspension-shortened 2017 season, 529 the year before that. So it doesn't accumulate a ton of plate appearances. 277 batting average last year with a 278 expected batting average. So a plus, but not a huge plus uh, in the average department. The 311 that he had two years ago uh, came on a 290 expected batting average. So that may have been slightly uh, lucky um, in the grand scheme of things. That was the high for his batting average. He hit 275 um, uh, last year. Taking a look, the BABIP, not uh, it's higher than league average, but not um, uh, really high. That 311 batting average came with a 380 BABIP. Uh, he was at 312 last year. Strikeout rate down to 18%, uh, so down 2% over the last two years, which is really nice to see, well below league average by almost 5%. And so that, along with the um, uh, pretty consistently above average BABIPs, gives him a pretty solid average to begin with. So I feel pretty confident there. 76.8% overall contact rate, so right around league average, but that in-zone contact rate is at 89%, uh, which is 3.5% above league average, which is really nice. Not an OBP guy, so if this is an OBP league, he loses a little bit uh, of his value. 327, 333, and then 362 in that 380 BABIP inflated season. So look for about a league average um, OBP uh, from Marte, which is a little sad because he's a speedster, so you want him to get on base. 35.8% O swing, so worse than league average, uh, by about 5%. Uh, that's been consistent the last two years and actually down from a close to 40% uh, O swing. So a pretty free swinger. We see that with a 7% um, above league average swing rate of 53.7. Um, that is actually up about 4%. Uh, from last year, uh, but always uh, swinging at a higher than league average rate uh, by a considerable margin. Not surprisingly, a lower than league average walk rate, 5.8%, 5.9%, and 4.3% uh, the last three years. So don't expect, again, uh, a lot of OBP contribution from Marte. He's more valuable uh, in average leagues. 81 runs scored, 13.4% runs per plate appearance. Uh, 48 and 71 the two years before that, but consistently in the 13 to 14% range, which seems about right. Again, he's never, at least in the last three seasons, 
had more than 606 plate appearances. And so that's one of the reasons why those run totals are lower. Um, if you were able to hit that, you know, uh, 600 consistently, maybe hit that 650, um, even higher since he bats uh, towards the top end of the Pirates lineup, uh, we would obviously see higher run totals, but definitely don't uh, expect that. 81 is the three-year high. 20 home runs last year, which was really nice, and it comes on 21.4 expected home runs. So he definitely earned that, and that was a huge jump after seven and nine the previous year. So more, uh, he doubled, or not doubled, but he had more home runs uh, this past year than in the two years combined, which is kind of bizarre given that the ball was dejuiced this year. But 3.3% home runs per plate appearance, so slightly below league average. Uh, That's really nice. You know, if we can get um, Marte into double digits with the number of stolen bases that he's contributing and the solid batting average, it gives him a really nice floor assuming he can maintain um, his health. 33.5% hard hit rate, so still slightly below league average, uh, but up about 7.3% from last year at 26.2% and similar to the 34.7% that he had uh, in 2016. Uh, Ground ball rate, this is an issue for him, well above league average for the last three years, between 48 and 51%. So that's just something to note. It generally limits uh, his power, although not this year, um, ironically, when he had the highest ground ball rate. 8.4% home run per fly ball rate, 9.9% home run per fly ball rate. That jumps up to 14% this past year. Again, it was earned based on the expected home runs, but I don't necessarily think you can expect um, that. It looks a little bit like the outlier. His hard hit fly ball rate did jump to 46.9%. Uh, which is really strong. That's up from 38% and 43.9% in the two previous years. He also pulled more of those hard hit fly balls, 25.4%, so lower than league average, but well up from the 11.1% last year. And then his barrel rate was also up at 5.6%. So you can see some of the some of the power metrics, they definitely have an uptick and uh, they're showing a little bit of that life that resulted in those 20 home runs. I mean, if he can repeat that 20 home runs um, and those... Um, Uh, With the stolen bases that he brings, that is going to be a really nice return uh, of value. Uh, Average home run distance, 398, 403, and 416 the two previous years. Uh, 72 um, RBIs last year, 11.9% above his 8.7 and uh, 9.1% RBI per plate appearance in the two previous seasons. Again, seems a little bit like an outlier, but don't forget that he did increase his home runs. And every single one of those home runs is an additional RBI. So that is also nice um, to see there. Uh, From a speed perspective, 33 stolen bases in today's game. That is awesome. 5.4% stolen base per plate appearance, down from 6.2% and 8.9% the two previous years. Just to give you a sense, that 5.4%, Trey Turner's is 5.9%. So again, fewer plate appearances, but those 33 stolen bases is really nice. And I think you can count on that uh, happening again. He was successful only on 70.2% of his stolen base attempts last year, uh, but 84% and 79.7% the two previous years. So that one uh, looks a little bit like the outlier there. Not a huge drop in his speed either, 28.9 feet per second um, in his sprint speed two years ago, 28.8 last year, 28.6 this year. So a couple point ticks down, uh, but not enough. He's still uh, above league average and very solid there. He uh, attempted a stolen base on uh, 26.3% of his opportunities this year, 
higher than last year, but lower uh, than his 2016 season at 29.2%. All in all, the stolen base uh, potential uh, looks very solid. I think as long as he's healthy, I think you can count on him uh, for for 30 stolen bases. Let's take a deeper dive into that batted ball profile that we talked about. Taking a look at his X stats. Um, So dribbler percentage is a major issue uh, for Marte, although he was down almost uh, 5% last year to 31.1%. 24.6% is league average, so he's still, you know, 6.5% worse than league average, but much better than last year. Last year really looks like the outlier uh, compared to um, 2018 and 2016. Um, So that's just something uh, to consider as we as we look at this, again, he was returning from suspension, so maybe he was just, you know, a little bit off his game. Uh, hard drive percentage up at 11%, 11.2%, so above league average, which is really nice for a speedster. 11.4% in 2016, it was down at 8.5% last year. So again, two of the last three years with, a, with an above league average hard drive rate, that's where you get those home runs and those extra base hits. His pop-up rate is also really low, 12.6%, uh, so about... Five and a half percent below league average. That is really nice. Um, that's going to keep the BABIP uh, relatively high. Um, uh, so overall, you know, batted ball profile, hitting way too many ground balls. Not the worst thing in the world for a speedster, um, but um, it's nice to couple that with a really nice hard drive rate and a low pop-up rate to keep that BABIP uh, reasonable. Um, if we take a look at his rolling average graphs, there is definitely an injury um, uh, to Marte. He struggled with a number of injuries. If you just Google Starling Marte injury, uh, you'll get like four or five articles about an oblique and then, uh, you know, something else. But it's pretty clear that, um, around August, there was a, a huge shift in his, um, overall batted ball profile. His, uh, in zone contact dipped from, uh, consistently, uh, above, league average by about 2%, uh, all the way down to below league average uh, towards uh, the end of the year in that 40-game rolling average. His ground ball rate spiked from the mid-40s all the way up to a high of 62% um, in September. His hard hit rate fell from a high of around um, 44% in August all the way down to 28.5% by the end of the year in that 40-game rolling average. And then his O-swing also spiked 42.9% before dropping off towards the end of the year. So what that tells me is, you know, Marte, um, obviously, um, you know, some of the skills lagged in the second half last year. Let's take a quick look um, at uh, at those um, splits. So, uh, yeah, what we saw, we saw, um, you know, his average dipped uh, by about uh, 20 points. Um, he hit for uh, less power um, and also stole a significantly fewer number of bases um, in the second half. 25 stolen bases in the first half compared to eight in the second half. I definitely think injuries were um, a big issue for Marte, and that mo- might provide a buying opportunity at his current draft price. I remember last year he pushed up around um, you know, 35, I think he was going up uh, around... Um, in uh, uh, last year uh, when it came time for draft time. I think that might happen again as people, you know, continue to value stolen bases. But I like him as a value at 41. He's a guy that if you miss out on speed 
or if you're looking for a more balanced profile, um, you know, a guy who can steal bases, hit for a decent average and not hurt you in home runs. He's one of the last guys I think that you're going to be able to get who can really provide um, some elite production. And so Starling Marte is a guy that I could see myself uh, drafting um, anywhere from the early 30s uh, to his, uh, well, I'll draft him anytime uh, after that. You know, it depends. Like if a Whit Merrifield goes earlier and you're looking for speed, you know, you may want to target Marte. I definitely like him a lot more than some of the guys that are going ahead of him. So, uh, you know, Rizzo's solid. Even Chris Davis. I think Chris Davis, um, you know, I love Chris Davis. I have him. But the 247 batting average and the lack of stolen bases really limits what that ceiling can be. I mean, he was awesome last year, but you're going to need a, a ton of runs, a ton of RBI, and a ton of home runs in order for him to to meet that value. So I like him more than Chris Davis. I like him definitely more than Chris Bryant. I like Merrifield um, a little bit better just because I think um, the speed uh, is really nice. It's a very similar profile, higher batting average probably. Um, you know, obviously I don't like him as much as Benintendi and Blackman and those folks, but I definitely think when there's that run of pitching that goes, you know, Snell, Kershaw, Cole, Bauer, Severino, Syndergaard, Bueller, and then Marte, I like him as a batter that you can get in that mid thirties range, who I think, you know, uh, it has a pretty solid floor, uh, barring injury again, which is a real possibility for him given his injury history. Um, but very solid floor with that speed, the decent batting average and the decent home run totals. Uh, he's not going to wow you with the runs or the RBI, um, but it's not going to, uh, hurt you terribly. And so I think he's a really nice value there uh, in the mid thirties. Uh, um, and especially at his current ADP of 41. In today's Reach Charles, I am going to talk a little bit about uh, Starling Marte's first half, which has me super excited about what he could possibly bring to fantasy owners uh, in 2019. In the first half of last year, uh, 351 plate appearances, 13 home runs, 25 stolen bases, 52 runs, 44 RBI. If you are to extrapolate that to 600 uh, plate appearances, again, you can't do this. This isn't how it works, but it is an interesting exercise just to think about what the possibilities are. That would be 285, 89 runs, 22 home runs, 75 RBI, and 43 stolen bases in 600 uh, plate appearances. And so you can see when you look at Marte, you're looking at the possibility of having somebody who brings you those stolen bases, who brings you those double-digit home runs, who brings you uh, that solid batting average, that um, without hurting you in those other, you know, in runs and RBI, and that, that would be huge. Now, what I want to bring up is when you look at the rolling average graph for Starling Marte, you can clearly see that there was a major cha- change in August. Now, if you just go to Google and you type in Starling Marte injury and you look at some of the things that come up, you have in late July, Starling Marte hit by pitch exits with left-hand injury. Starling Marte in September exits with calf tightness. Uh, Starling Marte in May dealing with oblique injury, DL stint likely or unlikely. So you can see that there's no shortage of small injuries that Starling Marte suffered uh, last year. And it may just be that the combination of all of those or one of those, maybe it was even that uh, hit by pitch on the left hand, whatever it was that that really plagued him in the second half. Um, And it's not just because he didn't do as well in the second half as he did in the first half. It's much more about what the skills show. 
just a huge decline and very abrupt in a lot of key categories like ground ball rate, like heart hit rate. And so those are really key indicators of injury. And so it really excites me to think about the fact that, you know, that second half from Marte may not have just been natural regression from a heart, uh, a hot start, but maybe that there was, there was something to that first half start and that it was just the injuries that got to him so that if he can stay healthy um, in 2019 for a full season, you really could see um, some really stellar production. And so that's one of the reasons why uh, I'm a fan of Starling Marte at his current ADP of 41. I think the floor is high enough because of what he brings to you uh, that he is worth uh, snapping up in the third round if he's still, if he's still available in your drafts. That is going to wrap us up for episode 38 of the Batflip Crazy podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed that. Definitely, um, I am sure as we get closer and closer to drafts, there's going to be a ton of heated debate uh, about uh, Juan Soto, Luis Severino, probably less so about Starling Marte, a pretty steady guy, but somebody that I'm obviously uh, really intrigued by the profile Uh, and some of the things that he did last year before getting injured. Thanks so much um, for listening. Really do appreciate it. Trying to continue to bring these uh, podcasts to you, if not every uh, weekday, um, at least uh, every two weekdays. Again, trying to limit the length of the profiles so that I can hit up a few more people and get a little bit uh, through these these guys uh, quicker. But oh well, if there is somebody that you're looking for more analysis on, definitely just hit me up on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. That is always the best place uh, to reach me. Um, Thank you so much for listening. Take care of yourselves. Best of luck with your baseball research and be kind to one another.